IAB and Disney Plus on this week's Always Listening. Welcome to Always Listening. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, and I am not the Mandalorian. I sixteen year old boys. So how long do you have to wait? When are you guys going to be able to watch it this afternoon? Uh, no, because he has football practice, and that'll take us to dinner, and then we're going to have to eat dinner, and then I'm going to have to do the evening chores, and then it's probably. Uh, I mean, we're looking at prime time at this particular point uh, as to oh, when man. the Mandalorian will actually be hitting my retinas. Which means you're going to have to be careful online, Jay. I'm telling you, everybody's going to be talking about it. Well, we say that. We're, of course, talking about The Mandalorian, the new live-action Star Wars show, which is part of the Disney Plus launch. We're going to be telling you what Disney Plus has to do with podcasters and what we can learn from that launch uh, in our final topic today. Uh, But, uh, yeah, be careful online today, Jay. There have been a lot of issues for people streaming it, so some people have not been able to access all the content. But anybody that can, I'm imagining... Uh, nerds like us, they're going to be watching it sometime today. I, well, I already told my wife. I watched it this morning by myself. I'll watch it again with her tonight if she wants to. And sometime this weekend, I'll watch it with my sons <laughs> a I mean, third time. I mean, I, I proposed the same thing. I was told emphatically, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, you know, the only thing that could have saved me, Joel, is we talked months ago about the possibility of doing a Mandalorian podcast, yes. which if we had if we had done it, then then I would have been. Like, I have to watch it. It's part of it's part of what I do now. It's for work. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 I got to. It, it's going to pay the Disney Plus subscription. <laughs> um, I am ecstatic about this launch. I really am. I've been enjoying, by the way, on a, on a slightly uh, similar note. I've thoroughly thoroughly been enjoying the Apple. Uh, TV Plus uh, shows. My wife and I have been watching some of those. We've watched all of the episodes so far of The Morning Show. We haven't started For All Mankind yet, but we've also been really enjoying, and and not that many people are talking about it, but there's a show called Dickinson, which is like a very modern take on the life of Emily Dickinson. It's got like a crazy modern soundtrack, and the characters act very, you know, millennial in, in that way, and yet it is set in her time period. Wow, that is a great show, too, and Mm. very artfully done, all based around her poetry. Anyway, my point is this, Jay. Netflix is in a lot of trouble, and I got an email this morning reminding me that there was a 30-day free trial from Netflix if I was interested. (laughs) (laughs) That is is rather funny. I suppose we'll dive into the Disney Plus stuff a little bit later, but uh, yeah, uh, for All Mankind, that's a show... And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Sort of fits the 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 what if scenario, and oh, I absolutely. love and I love those types of shows. Right, the basis is that the Russians got to the moon first, and then the the subsequent thing is that the space race never ended. So the first season, I think, is only about like a, a decade. It's like basically the moon landing right before, and then and then like a decade after. But they have like a seven-year plan, or the creator does. It's Ronald Moore, the guy behind Battlestar Galactica uh, from the 2000s. And um, he's got like a seven-season plan that will, I think, take us up to the present day or even beyond. So this will turn into a real sci-fi show eventually, whereas right now it's kind of an alternative history. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that one too. The point of all of that, Jay, if we're going to bring it back to our main topics today, is that these are sort of emergent, insurgent players, even though Apple is a huge company, obviously, and Disney as well, a giant media company. But the fact that they are both launching this month into this uh, streaming war where Netflix and Amazon and Hulu have already carved out big pieces of the American market, um, that's sort of what we're going to talk about today in the podcast industry. Our main story, or one of our main stories, is going to be about the IAB. Uh, we've, we've got a really interesting article talking about IAB numbers and what they might mean for podcasters. And I thought, Jay, there's nobody better than you to give us both the pros and the cons of what this means for average podcasters. I think 
the IAB version two numbers, that certification process, et cetera, has been given too much weight and too much importance by some people. And yet on the flip side, it is, in my mind, a, a, a very important show of progress for our medium and our industry. And so I, I feel like you and your experience and your background gives us a, a pretty good place to um, deal with that and jump off of it. But our first topic, which is a little bit smaller, is about one of those big players maybe having some issues. There's no bigger player in the podcast space than Libsyn. Libsyn is the largest media host by a lot. Um, and yet, we've got a Facebook link here in the show notes, and that's the one that I want you to go and read uh, if to get an idea of what this is about. But also, there's been some info on this from James Cridlin. That's where you first saw the reporting. As a matter of fact, you mentioned it at the end of last week's episode, Jay. Um, we didn't really get into it because... You and I both felt sure there would be a response from Libsyn. It just hadn't happened yet. Well, we're like two weeks out now from James reporting. Um, we're more almost a week away from this post on Facebook and still nothing from Elsie Escobar or Rob Walsh or Dave Jackson or Rob Greenlee or any of these folks that we feel like are the faces of Libsyn. No official statement from the company. And it it's hard to imagine that we're misunderstanding it at this point. I think their response is what's taking time to craft. So what are we talking about here? Um, James Cridlin first reported, and then this Facebook post has a chart from the Libsyn uh, sign-up page that makes it very clear. Basically, if you sign up for their lower hosting packages, the $5 a month plan, which is the Classic 50, or the $15 a month plan, Classic 250, those plans do not include, according to their chart, advanced IAB version 2.0 stats. So Libsyn is promoting themselves as IAB certified as a media host, and they are, but you only get those IAB certified numbers at the advanced 400 or advanced 800 packages. That's the $20 or the $40 a month package. And Jay, even if you pay for it, even if you get the IAB numbers, in their stats... Uh, in the back end, when you log into your account, you actually have to flip a switch to look at the IAB numbers versus their standard reporting. Why is this okay? And I mean, if you're hosting with Libsyn, why why are you not upset about this? Uh, well, uh, James Cridlin, who does Yeoman's work, um, adds to this uh, thread that I was just now made aware of, uh, adding, you only need IAB compliance stats if you're selling advertising. But Libsyn's terms state you cannot sell advertising with Libsyn unless you get explicit written permission from them first, and they represent you as well. Or you pay for Libsyn Pro, and he mentions he doesn't know how much that is. I believe Libsyn Pro is $100 a month. That I don't know. I think I'm you're a- right. I think that's but where I it believe starts. it's, it's a lot. I believe it's a, I believe it's on that particular level. Um it's a, it's a interesting. Um I, I would I I don't know why you wouldn't put all of your stats under your IAB certification doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to not um there's no extra charge uh in terms of the way that you're counting. Um, other than the certification, if anything, you would think Libsyn would want to spread that pain point, if you will, that expense that they incur for getting the certification across all of the people that are on their platform versus just those that are paying a higher level of membership. I can't really speak to this from a business perspective other than if you're a smaller podcast and you don't want and and you and you don't need a higher priced plan that Libsyn offers in terms of hosting uh then now that's a differentiator uh you're not going to get IAB certified stats which means you probably will have to look for another host uh if that is something that you find is important to you the reason why certified stats are important and it goes back to that lovely article about the magic pizza shop Everybody ends up counting the same way. So 
if you have one set of stats that counts a completely different way than another set of stats, when you do speak to a potential advertiser, th- th- your your stats are essentially meaningless at that point because they have no idea, well, what's a better portrait of what your true listening audience really is. It's it's a surprise. This This particular... Facebook thread called out Rob Libson, Elsie Escobar, Dave Jackson to no response for over five days at this particular point when you're hearing this podcast. That's why I said in the beginning, at this point, it, it it's not a misunderstanding on our part. The question is, what is Libson's response to, to people's questioning this? I think it's clear that they made a decision to stratify their plans in a in a further way to make it more appealing to upgrade to that $20 a month plan which has by the way the $20 a month plan has long been kind of the standard plan that you want with Libsyn no matter how much you're uploading because that's where they have given you the advanced stats in the past all you could get at the basic plans is basically download numbers per episode you couldn't get geographic location data and and you know other things like that i think maybe even the um the the players themselves like what was the what's the word what what uh app is accessing the file you know bots? what i'm talking about though no no not Progressive the bots, downloads? Where it, well where you can go and see like okay from apple core media x number from spotify x number from tune in x number from you know okay http request x number etc cetera, etc cetera. uh Anyway, the the sources of the downloads, you can only get that in the advanced stats, which starts at the $20 level. I'm sure that's Libsyn's argument behind the scenes. is like, well, we want real podcasters, serious podcasters to be on the $20 a month plan anyway. My thing is if that's the case, then don't offer the $5 and $15 plans. I, I, I say the same thing about Apple all the time, Jay. If you walk into an Apple store and you buy the base model iMac, that's a bad device. The processor, the hard drive that comes in it, et cetera, et cetera, if you don't upgrade some of the base specs, it's not a pleasant experience. And that is crappy for Apple. If you're a company that is built on the, the user experience and the customer experience, then you can't have any of your experiences be bad. And to me, this is an example of Libsyn making that lower price experience very bad. I've got several customers who host with Libsyn, clients who use Libsyn and are seasonal. So what do they do? To save a few bucks when they're not producing content, they lower their stats, right? Because they don't need the 250 megabytes a month or or 400 megabytes a month of upload space. So they go down to the $5 a month plan and save, you know, a few bucks for six months while they're not producing content. Now, if they care at all about their statistics... I'm going to have to suggest to them that they don't want to do that because the numbers that they're looking at will not be the same as the numbers that they're looking at during their production season. Right? I mean, I mean, that's, not to, that's a problem. I, again, I don't want to dig too deeply into the Libsyn business model of charging for hosting fees, but there are other hosting companies out there that just give you a blanket price for their hosting and it's not based on the amount of hosting storage that you're going to take up it it is but it isn't it's not explicitly state uh because you're uploading this amount of bytes to our to our servers we're going to charge you this amount and perhaps that's part of the problem here not to get too cheeky but we also know how long it takes libsyn to update their websites so <laughs> I mean, maybe they just haven't updated the website yet. Maybe that simple. But then again, if it was that simple, I would think we would have heard from people that work there right now. This may not be something as as big as we think it might be. Um, well, we we have this not- one. We have this one Facebook post. We have James' one report that seems to have just flown right under the radar. Um. I mean, that's sort of where we're at with this. Uh, It might not stay 
like we currently imagine it to be either. That's my argument. I think even if even if the current situation is as we've just laid it out and it was the plan was to stratify it like this, I think the response from uh from clients, the response from podcasters in general, James talking about it, you and I talking about it. I know other shows are talking about it as well. They might change their mind. That might be why they haven't said anything yet, you know? Mm. Again, to me, it's all about having that sameness, right? It's If you're giving one set of numbers, it should be the same counting method as another set of numbers. That's really what I am ultimately looking for when it comes to podcast statistics. But I would also like a level of correctness, too. So on this note... To give a little credit where credit is due, Libsyn is not the only one that has done some sort of squirrely things about this. And again, Jay, you and I mentioned this on the show. VoxNest, months and months ago, was announced as IAB certified and promoted it heavily. And then months later, Spreaker makes a quieter announcement. Spreaker stats are now uh, IAB version 2 certified. We were all under the impression, those of us that were using Spreaker, that we had been IAB certified already. Why were we under that impression? When it was announced that VoxNest had gone through the process, the numbers changed. The statistics in the back end of Spreaker changed at that time. And then they changed again slightly when they actually met IAB certification. So I think that was another example of the company not saying everything. They didn't lie. No, At no point did Spreaker come out and tell us specifically that they were IAB certified before they were. However, they let the silence speak for itself to right. their own advantage, I think. And this is a, an example. I think Libsyn was trying to not highlight this difference. And now that it has been highlighted for the community, the question is, what will their reaction be? So... I hope they react, Jay. <laughs> yeah. This would have been like if I had purchased Disney Plus and we were sitting down and watching Disney Plus one day and my wife said, you didn't tell me you purchased Disney Plus. Well, you didn't ask. <laughs> right? <laughs> same sort of same sort of thing there. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, guys, this this is. This shouldn't be this difficult uh, in this landscape that we are in. It seems that that feeling of camaraderie, that feeling of we're all working together on this uh, for whatever reason, when it comes to the stat certification, all of a sudden we're getting real punchy. Like there's people that are just like they're taking it to the mat and we know Todd at Blueberry was the first or one of the first to be certified. And he's made sure that any company since then is going to be certified. Uh, and if they're not certified, he's going to make sure you know about it. Um, it's starting to get a little squirrely out there. The, the, maybe the competition's starting to heat up amongst these platforms. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think I think everybody is feeling the not the boom, right? Because we still haven't had a boom. I don't think we're ever going to have a boom. Podcasting is a slow and steady business. But as it grows slowly and steadily and more and more eyeballs are on it, I think everybody is trying to up their game in one way or another. Um, Jay, let's talk about our sponsor for this episode. This episode, and as a matter of fact, every episode until the end of 2019 is brought to you by the Sleep With Me podcast from Drew Ackerman. Sleepwithmepodcast.com is where you can find it. But he doesn't want us to talk about his podcast, Jay, he wants us to talk about Pogs. Pogs are milk caps. Uh, it was a game that started in Hawaii and California and spread across the uh, whole United States during the 90s. It's one of my favorite parts of my childhood. And in honor of the Disney Plus launch today and the fact that I spent a little time already this morning watching the X-Men animated series, today's highlighted Pogs are, in fact, X-Men Pogs. Uh, I sent you a uh, an image of these. Yes. I'm pulling them up myself. My favorite one here is the Wolverine. This is a really good Wolverine costume. This is one of my favorites. It's the yellow and blue, but it's like particularly tight it's old on school. the head and the It's like the 50s little cowls. Wolverine. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. It's the tight mask. Uh, but you've also got, I think that's Cable at the top left. I think that's Cable. I can't remember uh, that who looks the like demon Wolverine, guy though. is. Is it Wolverine? Gotta, oh, maybe it's Wolverine in the Weapon, uh, Weapon X, X mask, actually. 
Yeah. That might be Weapon X Wolverine. Um, and then who's the pterodactyl guy from the Savage that, the Savage uh, world or whatever? Uh, isn't that Sauron? But now I'm Sauron, yes, that's his name. He uh, he was like a, a, a psychic vampire. He would like sap your energy or whatever. Yeah, and ended uh, up in a pterodactyl, which is odd. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, anyway, you can uh, check those pogs out. There were I, I the question I always want to ask about any of these pogs as I'm going through this binder though and showing you these things over the next few weeks is like what the hell were you what thinking? These were licensed. No, <laughs> I wonder what, like were were they licensed or not? First of all, did anybody at Marvel make any money on these? And also, did anybody at the Pog Company make any money on these? Like, or was it just like rampant counterfeiting left and right? You know, I don't know. I bought them at like a mall kiosk. I think is where I got these in particular. Anyway, um, you can find a link in the show notes for the strange history of Pogs. I have been so thoroughly enjoying going through this binder. I cannot tell Drew thank you enough for reminding me of this time in my life. I hope you guys are enjoying this half as much as I am. I cannot tell, I cannot tell Drew enough how much I really don't get why he did this <laughs> to us. But I appreciate it. I suppose... You think the Pog discussion is nonsense. We think, or somebody thinks, there's a great article here on Medium that is linked in the show notes. Uh, they say maybe those IAB stats are a little nonsense too. Um, lessons learned from selling Morning Brew's first podcast ads. This is the article uh, from Medium.com. Josh Kaplan is the author. And again, the link is in the show notes. You can read all of it. But Jay, this is our main topic today very related to the first topic. And this is what I wanted you to talk to us about, kind of help us understand it. For the average podcaster, whether your current media host is certified or not, whether it's likely your media host is going to be certified or not, what are the IAB stats? What does it mean for the industry as a whole? Why is it a good thing, even though we can see some of the flaws in the system at its current state? I guess that's the overarching idea, right? Right. So so Josh works for the Morning Brew and uh specifically he went in and dove headfirst into a whole bunch of research on the podcast industry and he wrote what he learned in this Medium article. Now a lot of what he learned is right on point. Some of it is a little mis misguided. Uh I did reach out to Josh. I have spoken with Josh via email. At some point Josh and I may even get together for a cup of coffee. Or go to one of those great pizza shops. And that's sort of where the IAB importance comes back into play. The importance of the IAB certification is to make sure that every hosting platform is counting the pizza slices the exact same way. Doesn't matter if they're right or if they're wrong. As I mentioned previously, I would like a little bit more rightness than wrongness in those IAB stats. But as they're presented currently... What we really need is just to get everybody on board to count them the exact same way. Now, <clears throat> Todd Cochran has has highlighted how difficult it has been just to get these certified, just to get this particular method of counting certified by the IAB. Because there were, I think there's about 26 companies that were involved in sort of creating this process. And... They all have different ideas of how they should be counting the pizza slices. And some of them really don't like some of the things that one company is doing another. A lot of it comes down to uh, blacklists and whitelists. So there are certain bots out there that get put on a whitelist because they come from uh, a trusted source. This was actually a problem that happened a few years back when uh, Apple decided to upgrade to iOS 11. Uh, all of a sudden, there was a huge boom in Apple listens, uh, and it steamrolled from the time that it launched in at the end of August up until November, which basically, it was like compound interest. Like, all of a sudden, this was happening, and then it just kept booming, and all of a sudden, there was just a giant spike in November of Apple listens to these podcasts, and uh, when I saw it, I went, what the heck is this? We finally did the research, and we found out that Apple bots were dive bombing the podcasts like crazy, but because it was from Apple, a trusted source, 
it was on the white list and thus accepted as a real listen when in fact it wasn't. Uh, the blacklists are bots that people know are not real listens. The Google bot is probably the most famous of them all. Google crawls your stuff all the time to constantly update their information. Uh, and so the Google bot is very much on the blacklist or a particular version of the Google bot is on the blacklist, I should say. In any case, that's my basic understanding of something that is much more complex than, than what is actually happening here. Josh notes, though, as he's looking at his IAB stats from his hosting platform, that Spotify's platform showed 43% more listens than the hosting platform, which is IAB certified shows, and Apple showed 80% fewer listens than the hosting platform showed on Apple. This has been something that I have consistently noticed as well. A lot of people will continue to say, well, Apple's stats are in beta. This is more than Apple stats being in beta at this point. Uh, Apple stats have been around much longer than just beta. Um, so you can't give me the beta line anymore when it comes to comparing what Apple's telling me my listenership is and my hosting platform is telling me what my listenership is. So this again comes down to there's an Apple bot that hasn't been caught yet that's driving up the total number of listens. Spotify, we have been told by uh, Todd Cochran in, in particular, Spotify is not IAB certified. So however Spotify is counting the number of listens on their particular platform is going to be different than what the IAB allows for the counting of those particular listens on the IAB platform. And a lot of that has to do with... Um, uh, think of a, a college dormitory, for example. Uh, there's obviously going to be, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of kids in a dormitory that are all going to access a particular podcast to listen to, but they're going to do so from the exact same server. So you're going to get multiple requests for the same content from one server. In the IAB certification process, some of those requests are going to be eliminated because they fall within a 24-hour period. Uh, but in fact, because that particular server uh, is being accessed by thousands of people, not just one, uh, it tends to make the counting very difficult. All of this is to say that counting the pizza slices is a difficult process. Defining how to count those pizza slices is a difficult process. But at the end of the day, Everybody needs to follow the same process because that is what is going to help drive our revenues with advertisers. Because if we're all talking a different language in terms of numbers, the advertisers aren't going to be talking to us or they're going to pick and choose who they talk to. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, the top 2% of podcasters are over that 30,000 download number. 98% of you are nowhere near that 2%. And guess what? The advertisers will end up just talking to the 2% and not the 98. And that's something that we definitely don't want to see. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Jay. The Here's the other thing I'll say. Even for podcasters, whether you're a small hobbyist podcaster or whether you're like an independent business who uses your show as like a direct sales funnel or, you know, uh, client acquisition, even there, we want more accurate numbers over time. We talk all the time, Jay, about the fact that engagement is the thing to watch as a smaller podcaster, not the actual download statistics, but we want our download statistics to be accurate too. We want to know things like, long-term, we would like to know things like demographics. What is our audience made up of? Where do they come from? You know, what, what are they in need of so that we can give them more? All of those things would be useful for us no matter what level of podcaster we are. So again, that's why all of this is important and we want to continue to push it forward. But boy, there are some issues still. And there's privacy concerns when it comes to demographics and things of that nature. And we know, I mean, Libsyn, Rob Walsh is very much out in front of the privacy issues when it comes to 
podcasting and advertising targeting. And you're right. There are other reasons to have demographics about your audience than just advertising, creating your content. If you're creating, if you're creating a show, uh, we experienced this, right? Joel, we created a show. We were using advertising and our audience hated it. Uh, I don't know why they hated it so much, but whatever they did. That was that that's their right as, as an audience. I don't get to dictate what my audience wants to think. The audience dictates what they think to me, not the other way around. They hated it. Well, if we had that demographic, if we had that information earlier, we never would have gone down that road. We would have gone down the road that we're, we're on now. Um, you know, the demographics can be, you know, if you're creating a show and you're talking to, you're talking to your avatar and you believe your avatar is a, you know, 35 year old white male, and it turns out a majority of your audience is actually 24 year old females, you better change the way that you're talking because your show is not going to grow if you're talking to them completely incorrectly. Uh, you're absolutely right. And, and that is, again, something that we can all take away from this uh, article and the experience of the Morning Brew podcast. Um, it's a good one. I don't understand why everyone writes on Medium. I'm going to say it every time we use a Medium article. <laughs> Get your own blog. Get your own blog and post your own <laughs> website, people. God bless it. I don't understand that. I really don't. All right. One final topic that we want to talk about today. We teased it at the beginning. Disney Plus has launched, Jay, and we talked about the fact that that has sort of ruffled the feathers in the streaming world. Um, a Apple's out there swinging too, but nobody has a bigger stick than Disney does as far as uh, content. Their library is tremendous. It was something like 600 titles, many of them TV series, full TV series, so you got seasons and seasons of things to watch. Um, well, all of those we know that Disney is the Illuminati. I mean, this well... <laughs> It's entirely fine. Did you leave your milk and cookies out for Bob Iger last night? I, I know no, I did. I did not. Uh, listen, I'm so excited about this and so excited about what it means for my own family's entertainment. It's very, very cool. But what I wanted to really talk about for podcasters today, because you haven't even seen much of the content. We talked about you didn't get to watch The Mandalorian yet, so it's not like we're going to do a, a review of anything. No. But... The launch, and what can we learn from Disney Plus's launch when we're talking about launching our own podcasts in particular, a new show or relaunching a show, launching a new season, etc. One of the things at first that I want to highlight here is something that Rob Walsh mentioned recently on the feed. We are approaching the holiday season. Tons of podcasters want to be out to start the year. I know I always get busy at the end of the year because I've got people that say, oh, I want to launch a new podcast for January 1st. Okay, that's wonderful. Your teaser episode, your trailer episode needs to be submitted to the directories, Apple especially, but Spotify as well. All of those, you need to have that done early, early in the month of December at least, maybe before Thanksgiving. If you want to be absolutely positive, if you can, you want to, just like Disney Plus did, have that content ready and begin the teasing, begin the promotion. And not just the promotion, Jay, but you and I both did what? We pre-bought that service. We went ahead of time and gave Disney our money before we could ever watch anything because we wanted to be there on day one. You should have a landing page. You should have a button that says subscribe to the show. You can subscribe to the show, get that trailer episode, even before your regular content is ready to launch. Do that if you want to be launched for the new year. That is the number one thing that Disney did right. The pre-promotion and the ability to onboard people. Allow that pre-buy. For podcasters, that's getting the teaser episode out and being able to subscribe in their own preferred podcast app. The trailer episode is something that is wicked important that I don't think gets talked about enough. If only, never mind the promotion uh, of, of your show, if only for the creation of the account on Apple and Spotify and elsewhere so that you can launch on the date that you want to launch on. A lot of podcasters will come to me or I've had conversations with podcasters in the past, and they'll be like, I want to launch my podcast uh, next week. And I'll be like, wait, 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 slow down there, 
partner, there's a chance your podcast may not be available on Apple uh, as early as next week. Like, you need to make sure that you're available on Apple first before we get to the launch portion of your podcast. That's something that goes, I think, a little underreported when it comes to new podcasters getting in the space and getting involved in podcasting. The idea that, oh, I'm going to start a podcast and it's going to go live tomorrow. Mm, you might want to might want to wait on having it going live tomorrow. Get a get a teaser podcast together, create the account so that it's created and then you can launch whenever you want as soon as that account is live. It's 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 funny because there was a time in podcasting that I remember podcasters would be like, oh, I've gone live on Apple today. It's a great day. Duh. You know, and people would share, oh, I went live. It's like, great, wonderful. I never understood it. It was, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, so your account's created. Now I want some content. Like, be excited about your content. Don't be excited about your account being created. Don't. I mean, everybody's going to have their account created. If, if everybody wanted to, right now you could get every American to create a teaser and go and create an Apple account. It's not that big a deal. Uh, create that teaser account so that your account can be created on Apple and elsewhere, and then plan that launch, just as you suggested, Joel. Have the idea that it's probably going to be, you're looking at, I mean, Apple tells you that usually within 24 to 48 hours, your account will be created. But it can be sometimes up to two, even three weeks. And especially this time of year, you just mentioned, you may have to create something before Thanksgiving so that your account is available on January 1st. Last year, they were really, really good about announcing the specific times where they were going to be shut down. They were also really good once they got back in the office at, at powering through the backlog. But in years past, it has taken weeks to get back up to normal after Christmas and New Year's. So, uh, And then the other thing that, that Rob Walsh mentioned this week, it's been a really good year for Apple. So you can imagine that there are going to be a lot of employees and maybe they're not all in the podcast, you know, uh, uh, team, but there're going to be a lot of folks at Apple that cash out a little bit of extra stock this year and take an extra long holiday. So again, just just be safe rather than sorry. It goes sort of hand in hand with the one knock against Disney Plus that we've seen today, Jay, which is the fact that their servers weren't exactly ready. Before you and I started recording, you were talking about you've seen several people on Twitter, you know, saying screenshots, I'm trying to access the app, Disney Plus unavailable, et cetera, et cetera. Disney even tweeted uh unexpected um you know, uh, uh, demand this morning for the shows, you were like, how could it be unexpected? <laughs> they, they announced Disney plus, first of all, when they first announced Disney plus, we're talking about years ago Yeah, at this particular point in time. Uh, if you just took the star Wars subset and the amount of people that go to star Wars celebration, their annual big conference that they do, just that subset alone is humongous. And those are all P in, in broadcast terms. Those are all P ones. Those are the people that are ride or die with you no matter what. And you've got new star Wars content available today. That particular subset is frothing at the mouth. I guarantee of that particular subset, at least 60% watched it at midnight or as soon as the, the service went live, they were right there ready. They watched it. And then they watched it probably two or three more times even after that. Uh, I am not part of that particular subset. I am a very big Star Wars fan. I would consider myself a large Star Wars fan. Not just because I'm fat, but because I, I actually enjoy the content. I've, I've accepted a title called Pod Vader, which is Star Wars centric. If you see anything out there with me, like on Twitter or on Facebook, there's usually a Darth Vader icon involved somewhere in that in that I love Star Wars. I am not of that subset, but I did pre-purchase it. And you're going to tell me of the pre-purchases? You didn't have an idea that this was going to be a huge day? Ah, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Well, the other thing that surprises me that that they had the server issues, Jay, is the fact that all of this is built on the back of that same system that powers the MLB. 
and mm-hmm. they are at the forefront of streaming. At basically every solid service that you can think of uh, uh, streaming other than Netflix uses the MLB backend. HBO, ju- they tried to build their own app, and then they were like, nah, we'll just let MLB do it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and MLB, that, that system was bought wholeheartedly by Disney a few years back. So that technology is actually an, uh, owned by the Disney Corporation now and is the backbone for their Disney Plus app. Um, the one thing that I'll say is this is true for podcasters too, right? You got to kick the tires on the hardware. Disney did do a pre-launch. They actually, you could get the Disney plus app in, I think it was the Netherlands. Uh, they, they chose one small territory and they've Hmm. had older content, not the new shows, obviously, but all the older content was available. Uh, and you could watch it for like a month ahead of time. And they sort of like trialed the service and the servers, but clearly the Netherlands was not a large enough trial. <laughs> the no. same thing happened with Apple this this summer, rolling out uh, iOS 13 and iPad OS 13. The betas were terrible all summer long, and it didn't matter that they had this huge public uh, beta presence and lots of people like me that are using those betas on their devices all summer long. That wasn't helping the process speed along. Uh, so you got to test these things. I've got a client who just started using the Roadcaster Pro, Jay. We had to do as easy as the Roadcaster Pro is to use, and it is a very easy device to use. It's super uh, user-friendly. But even so, there were issues. For instance, the XLR plugs on the back are super tight, and we no. didn't get a good connection the first time on his mic, and he was having some issues there. You don't know that until you try it out. If he had gone straight to recording a important interview hmm. before we had tested that device, then we might not even have been. We might not have saved that interview, even though he had this high cost piece of equipment. Disney put the money into their infrastructure, and yet still on day one, it's fallen down. They'll get better. They'll fix the problem. But a little bit more heavy testing ahead of time could have solved it. Same thing for you as a podcaster. If you're launching with a big website, if you're launching with a big social media campaign, you need to have some beta testers. Same thing with your show. If you've got a highly polished and produced podcast where you're talking about audio fiction or uh, maybe like a true crime show that's in an NPR style or something, Get some beta testers. Get some beta listeners, just like you would for a book, right? When you're publishing a book, you wouldn't send it through the publisher, and then when it comes off the press, that's the first time anybody actually reads it. You, you do some proofreading. Same thing can go for your podcast if you want to have a smooth and safe and, and happy launch. And by the way, that was just the Star Wars subset. Now, yeah. my son mentioned yesterday the Disney vault is now open. Right, it, nothing is vaulted anymore. You can go and you can go and get whatever Disney movie has ever been created. Which my daughter just learned about this this weekend. Was like, wait, you mean I can watch Disney Plus too? I was like, yes, honey, you can watch Disney too. Anything that Disney has done, and Star Wars is not the only new content available on Disney Plus as of right now. There's a live action Lady and the Tramp. A movie that's on that's on Disney Plus did not get released in the theaters. Can go watch that, and I'm sure I'll be watching it with my daughter. There's so much; it's it's mind blowing. And for podcasters, that's the same sort of thing. How do you build hype around your content? How do you get that excitement going? A teaser trailer helps, but now beyond the teaser, think of all the things that Disney did with the Mandalorian. Uh, a special trailer. Uh, you can only you saw first on Monday Night Football an extended view of the show the day before it gets released on Monday Night Football, and again you wouldn't necessarily think Star Wars football that they go together, but Disney actually did this with the movie a couple years ago. Saw the success that the promotion had and the reaction that the social media world had to the trailer being first released on Monday Night Football. They went back to the well and did it again. This is something that podcasters should be taking note of. When you do something and you promote something in an area you may not necessarily think is related. Uh, Again, I think sports is a great place to sort of test those things out because – Sports does sort of touch almost everyone. Uh, it will touch, obviously, that I, I mentioned the white, you know, 25 to 35 year old male. But 
females are sports fans. Young girls are, are sports fans. There's a big push to get more women involved in sports. Uh, obviously, minorities are very much involved in sports. Different sports attract different types of people to watching their, their content. There are different ways to, re to get your content out there to other people other than shows that are like yours. Yes, that's an obvious track to go down, but maybe you can find another show that the obvious track isn't isn't so obvious. Uh but there's still that they still have the same type of person that you want listening to your particular podcast. Start examining those. This goes to uh my podcasting boyfriend there, Tom Webster, recently wrote an article about the levers that all these big companies are pulling. And right now the easiest lever to pull is increasing downloads by taking over another podcast account to debut a brand new show like Serial did with This American Life, the most famous example of that happening. Uh, that's great. That's an easy lever to pull. But now how do you expand the reach? How do you get to the people that aren't listening to podcasting right now? How do you get those people to start listening to this content? Where are you going to start placing your advertisements? Where are you going to start spending your money to get the word out about this particular podcast? I, I've mentioned this before on this podcast and in other places. We as podcasters, I think, have done a great job of spreading the word of podcasting in our bubble. We've done a horrible job. The entire industry I'm talking about has done a horrible job of spreading the word of podcasting outside our bubble. The closest that I've seen to doing a better job at this would be iHeartMedia, quite honestly, using their giant megaphone to promote podcasting on radio shows, but also billboards in Times Square. I think I've seen uh, different content companies buying billboards in LA to promote podcasts. Those are the rare exception, though. Uh, and honestly, I think probably the worst use of your advertising money too. billboards. I don't necessarily think that's a great way of spreading the word. I will give you this freebie because I want to see this happen so bad. I've mentioned this numerous times at my previous employer. I begged and begged and begged for a budget to make this happen, but couldn't get it. If you are a movie podcast, where is one place that you have a captive audience is probably looking at their phone, probably doing something stupid on their phone, uh, and they're 100% captive. They've got nowhere else to go. Movie theater pre-rolls. Oh, yes, exactly. And, and what happens during those trailers now, Joel? There's like half an hour of commercials before the trailers even begin. I've looked into movie theater advertising costs it's i will say it's going to be pricey for a podcaster you're going to look at it and you're going to say it's pricey but there are others and they've started to do this where you should be absolutely 100 percent advertising a podcast in a movie theater and if you're a movie podcaster you should be like oh you're here to see the the newest star wars movie are you yeah we we're here too to see it as a matter of fact we're going to be talking about this movie on our podcast, which you can download now, but you'll probably want to wait until after the movie. Here's how you do it. That handy device you got there, <laughs> it's in your hand right now. Yeah, you go to this particular area. It's called the podcast app button. You press that, you hit subscribe. Oh, you don't have one of these ones? Oh, I got one. I've got this one over here too. On this one over here, you got to do this and boom, you're golden. Do an explainer video, keep it to about 60 seconds or so making an advertisement in the movie theater and thank me later. That was a freebie, ladies and gentlemen. You're welcome. I, I do think that's a good idea. And I, in particular, like you could get into some local chains, like maybe you can't buy with Regal or, you know, AMC or whatever, but like you could get into some smaller theater chains, probably pretty affordably. You could uh, actually get into the bigger, you could get into the bigger chains too, Joel. They're not all of, all of the advertising costs. Again, in relative terms, are not that expensive. A podcaster would probably find it a little bit pricey. Uh, and when I say not that expensive, I'm saying it's probably going to cost, it, it, depending on how many theaters you're buying, it should cost, it's probably going to cost you between $500 and $1,000 to run a campaign like this 
for a suitable length of time where you will actually see an impact. Now, the unfortunate part of that is you're spending $500 to $1,000 in just one location. And that's that's sort of the limit. So if you live in, well, if you live like here, like I do in Wallingford, Connecticut, I'm only going to be advertising to people that are coming to the Wallingford Theater, which is pretty much only the people that live here because there's a movie theater in literally every single town in the state of Connecticut. Uh, So those people are going to their local movie theaters, most likely, unless they're coming for $5 night, which is Tuesdays and Wednesdays here in Wallingford. (laughs) Those are phenomenal. Jay, the the final thing that I think podcasters can take away from the Disney Plus launch and to apply to their own launches is the combination of having a catalog and a pipeline. Mm. When you launch, I do think it's great if you can have two or three pieces of content for your first day subscribers to access an actual episode one, but also maybe an intro episode where you explain who you are or what's the point of this show or what you're, you're going to do, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe if, if your show is that kind of thing, maybe preempt. Okay. So like, let's say if you're doing a, a podcast about the Mandalorian, maybe you want to do a pre episode all about Boba Fett your experience of Boba Fett through the original uh, trilogy, you know, and uh, what you thought about the Mandalorian storyline in the cartoons, Star Wars Rebels and uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, for instance. You know, you could do an hour or so about that as a preamble to the series itself. My point is, that's what Disney did. Right now, today, if you go log in, you can watch all of those old Disney movies, as you mentioned. There's a ton of TV series from the Disney Channel, old stuff and then stuff that your kids and my kids are probably into. There's also, though, original content that hadn't been available elsewhere. For instance, you remember the Three Caballeros movie? Like yeah. Donald Duck and the, yep. the two Spanish birds? Okay. There is a whole series that they made in like 2015, like one whole season of of TV animated uh, series that's never been released anywhere except I think the Philippines or something like that. That's available on Disney Plus today. So if you've got some content like that stored up, make it available so that that first day when people get your stuff and they like it, they go, boy, I want more and they don't have to wait a week. But on the flip side, make a pipeline and make sure that people know what that pipeline and process is, what your game plan is for the long term. For instance, there in the show notes, I'm going to have this image. They put out the Mandalorian release schedule. Chapter one's available today. Chapter two is going to be available on Friday, November 15th. Then chapter three, Friday, November 22nd. Then it'll be basically every Friday you'll get a new episode, except before Christmas. Wednesday, December 18th, we'll get chapter seven. And then Friday after Christmas, the 27th, we'll get chapter eight. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. But they let you know exactly what to expect when so that our anticipation can build. I'm not sitting there going, well, when's new stuff? I'm unsatisfied now with my you know, decision to subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. You need a catalog and a pipeline. And if you put both of those things together... You're going to give your audience joy now and expectations to build. See, now that that's new. I, my understanding of the Mandalorian schedule is that everything was coming out basically on a weekly basis leading up to the Rise of Skywalker, which is the final movie of the Skywalker saga. Uh, so that's interesting. And it's also my understanding that there's tie-ins with the Mandalorian and the Rise of Skywalker. I'm super excited about all of this anyway uh, beyond the geek out uh, i have a little bit of a different take than what you're saying it's sort of similar to what you're talking about when it comes to releasing your podcast and having content ready to go i am not a big believer in uh, in throwing out a bunch of stuff for the, that people can binge i like the idea that you just mentioned maybe a pre-episode i've often mentioned in episode zero but i've also mentioned episode zero as being your teaser sort of the this is the explainer this is what our podcast is. This is what it's going to be about. This is what you can expect. That should all be in an episode zero. Um, now that Apple does allow you to have a teaser, creating an episode zero actually makes a lot of sense to go along with your first episode. But have two other episodes ready in the can. You can release daily. So 
I would release your first episode on a Wednesday along with your episode zero and then Thursday release another episode Friday release another episode and then the following week you go to that weekly schedule if you're only going to do once a week that way you're not necessarily giving the audience the option to binge or not to binge you're more giving the audience a chance to consume your content decide whether or not they really like it and then Oh, you don't have to wait until next week to get the new the newest episode. It's right here ready for you tomorrow. It's ready for you tomorrow. Now you've really now I've got you hooked. You've listened to three of my episodes. You're hooked in and now we're going to go and we'll talk to you next week. That's sort of been my strategy when it comes to content release for new podcasts. Uh it can differ depending on what kind of podcast you're doing. I um yeah, that makes sense, Jay. That absolutely makes sense. You know, the, the Apple TV, uh, Apple TV Plus, their streaming service took that sort of idea. All of their premium shows, quote unquote, uh, The Morning Show and C and For All Mankind released three episodes day one and then went to their regular weekly launch. So like day one was a Tuesday. And then on Friday, they all got the fourth episode. You know, and from hmm. then on, it'll be weekly. But but that was really important because all of those stories, from what I've heard from reviewers and from what I've seen, they start a little slow. It's about getting into the characters and building the world. And then by the third or fourth episode, they take a turn and you're hooked then. But if you only get that first episode, you're like, I don't know. Who are these people? Is this any better than the stuff I'm already watching on Netflix? That's It's about drawing them in, reeling them in. But also, again... Making those expectations. Apple's telling you every Friday there's going to be new content. Every Friday we're going to have new shows or new episodes. And every month we're going to have new shows. Same thing with Disney+. Plus. They're telling you ahead of time what, what's coming down the pike. Make sure you are driving the anticipation and expectations of your audience. I think that's the biggest thing. All right. We've got to that's stop a great this line. podcast, Jay, because uh, I need to go watch some more Disney+. Plus. How dare um, you? <laughs> uh, tell everybody where they can find you especially if they're a college sports podcaster listen if you're an sec podcaster that would be the southeastern conference uh you're probably out of luck unless you're from the state of mississippi uh those are basically the only two schools uh left that i do not have coverage uh for in the sec i'm looking for mississippi and mississippi state podcasters uh that will that will finish the SEC conference. The Big Ten conference, I still have probably half, to, if not two-thirds of the conference still left to fill. So I'm definitely looking for you Big Teners. Uh, Maryland, Minnesota, Nebraska, those are some of our biggest schools that we currently don't have coverage for. If you're a fan of those schools and you like to talk about college football and college basketball, reach out to me, podvader at lockedonpodcast.com. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter at the Real Pod Vader. I'd very much like to talk to you about the possibilities of doing a podcast. Others have, and they are super excited. Uh, I can't wait to actually listen to Kevin. Uh, he is our host for the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. Uh, because the Nittany Lions, who were previously undefeated, lost this weekend. And now I'm curious to see what his thoughts are on their playoff aspirations. Uh, you can find me at propodcastingservices.com. All of my shows and information is there. But also you can find me on Twitter at The Rogues Life or my business account at podcasting underscore pro. The Rogues Life Twitter is only going to have Disney Plus content probably for the next few weeks. So just get used to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next week, Jay. We've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, and I'm really contemplating why I had children, because keep me away from things like Disney Plus right when I want to watch it. <laughs> and we are always listening. Not really. I, I love my children. They're, they're beautiful people. They're wonderful. Wonderful. Wonderful human beings. <laughs> <laughs> listening is a proud member of the two guys and a rogue network you can find all of our past episodes including more than a hundred podcast reviews at alwayslisteningpod.com in apple podcasts spotify stitcher radio or anywhere you listen to podcasts 
For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Raymond. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.